Hello, and thank you for listening to this podcast. Uh, unfortunately, the sound quality is not uh, the usual best today. We have some fans that have been running uh, to help clear out some of the um, issues within the uh, within this station. So I do apologise for the uh, mumbling in the background, but please bear with us and I hope you enjoy the show. The Film and TV Show is part of Britpod Scene, an independent network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritpodScene.com or follow BritpodScene on Twitter to find out more. Hello and welcome to the Film and TV Show with me, Richard S. Uh, today I'm joined by a very special guest who is a long-term listener and also a very good friend of mine, Jan. Hello. Hello. How are you, right? I'm doing very well. Great good. to be here. Good, good. So um, we're going to be doing uh, Stargate today. So we're going to be talking about Stargate. We're going to be talking about the TV series and also talking about the movie and the movie that's coming up as well. My tea of the week this week is my Rufio t-shirt, which is done by the awesome Sorella Print. So check them out on Facebook uh, and on Twitter as well to uh, get any of your customized t-shirt needs. Um, if you're not listening to us on the uh, podcast, then please do find us on iTunes and hit the subscribe button. That will be amazing. Uh, you can also find us on uh, Twitter, which is at the FTV Show, Facebook FTV Show, and also Instagram Film and TV Show. I do also do a blog on WordPress, which is filmandtvshow.wordpress.com, which is all film reviews and stuff. Um, so go on there and check that out as well. So we're going to kick straight off with talking a little bit about. Stargate, for those that don't know much about Stargate, the premise around it and everything, um, and we'll just, we'll, we'll, me and Jan will just, we'll just talk about what, yeah, you we'll know, blather on. Yes, exactly. So, um, I'll let you go first, so you can talk about, obviously, why you love Stargate so much and, you know, that sort of stuff. All right. Um, well, I, I first uh, saw Stargate when I was uh, quite young, and the, uh, I, don't know, I don't know what it was particularly about, the, the whole drawer of it. This whole sort of uh, forbidden sort of secrets that are being uncovered, it, it just drew me in straight away. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've had a similar experience of it. When you're, yeah, you know, yeah. It, it's, it's just that I was always fascinated with, with ancient cultures anyway, but actually seeing it on your screen where they're, they're first of all, they're digging it up in you know the, the 1920s or whatever it was, and they find this object, they don't know what it is, and then, then you catapult it into the future and... You you see that they've they've done a secret base here and they've uh, they've built up this amazing device. You don't know what it is, and then eventually you get to the stage where you're looking at an opening in space time, and they can move from one place to another, and they go to another world, and it's it, it just blew me away. It it it's it is amazing for those that haven't seen Stargate. It's definitely definitely watch the film first yes. before you watch the TV show. The film which starred Kurt Russell and James Spader, mm-hmm. uh, nineteen ninety four or five, I think yeah, roughly around that mid midnight is definitely. Um, it's definitely one to see because it's definitely one for those who who love their sci fi and they love a little bit of uh, mystery and they like yeah. they, they like the you know the ancient gods because ultimately that's what it's aimed about it's, it's aimed around yeah. the ancient gods which were in fact aliens that were you know they're not benevolent in the slightest um, and basically want to rule everybody and, yeah. and kind of and kind of take over so it's definitely one to, to watch and then move on to the TV show which is uh, SG1 yeah, that's the that's the one. Yeah, which has uh, Michael Shanks um, and uh, Richard Dean Anderson, MacGyver himself, in there. So it's definitely worth definitely worth watching that and then going into the TV show. I 
I just really loved the whole premise of, like you say, the the ancient mythology mixed with sci-fi, mixed yeah. with kind of CGI. I mean, the film was very CGI-based, but it's amazing how much CGI were actually in the TV show. Yeah. It was actually really heavy CGI, which was great. And it's great that they took the premise of the Gould and you know the Stargate, yeah. and they didn't just have Abydos. Mm-hmm. There was a whole network, and they used the, the uh, sarcophagus from Abydos to yeah. open up all these different worlds, which I think was which was really great. And then obviously you you kind of delve further into mythology with yeah, all the different all the different gods. You know, you've not just got Ra, which yeah. is what they assumed. They just yeah. assumed they had Ra, and that was it. And they defeated him, and they was like, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. like, well, actually, no, there's a lot more to go. Yeah. Um, you know, you had uh, Apophis, Anubis, Set. Yeah. Um, oh, but they're all in there. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, literally every single one of them is in there. Yeah. Um, for those that, that don't know, Gould is uh, it's kind of a, a symbiote. It's a, yeah, it's a parasitic it's life a, form as well. Yeah. It, it takes a human host. It, it embeds itself in, a, in an unwilling human host, and it uh, it can control everything about you. And it, it can also take your knowledge as well. So if you're somebody important, it can take your secrets, which is obviously dangerous under the circumstances. Um, and the, the great, for me, though, about the gold and the whole premise of the Stargate universe was the fact that we think we're doing okay here. You know, we think we're doing okay. We're, we're advancing really, really well. And then we go through the Stargate and we just see how wrong we are. And there's a huge, huge universe out there that... It's just waiting to eat us up. And that's the thing. We're so underprepared going through that gate. And it's a bit of an eye-opener. And uh, that's one of the things I like. I like like the the situation where they're starting from a disadvantage. Yeah. I always always wanted to, when I was growing up, watching the the TV show. Because it started not that far after the the actual film. I think it started like early 2000s. Yeah, I think so. And I, I always wanted to jump through a Stargate. I always wished that there was a Stargate <laughs> that we could just jump through, especially when you look at one of the um, uh, one of the future episodes where one of the um, uh, one of the alien races they come into contact with, they're all benevolent and everything, but they they basically strip the fertility away so that they yeah. they manage. And the, the the kind of future from that is that they've got stargates which are basically like airports yeah and you can literally it's like a scheduled stargate you just yeah. literally just jump through and you go wherever and I, I like this and i was like yeah. man we could do with something like that that'd be amazing <laughs> just a quick you know a quick hop from here to the states would be great yeah. or a quick hop from here to to australia no, yeah. no need for airplanes or anything like that but but you know it was it was good i i do really i really love the premise of just the whole Stargate. So I love Richard Dean Anderson. I think he is amazing in it. Yeah, you know, he, he kind of went from from MacGyver, and, and after that, he kind of did a few little bits and pieces, yeah. and this kind of really relaunched him back into into the stratosphere, really, because Stargate had a massive following. Yeah, it did. It was yeah. a huge following, especially after the film. And obviously, you had a couple of um, uh, kind of straight to TV movies as well, extended episodes as yeah. such. Um, which were really good. One was set around the the Ori mm. at the very very end, which I want to talk about that because that was just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but uh, the other one was set with Bar Bar yeah. Bar, and I loved him. I thought he was just the the guy himself was just amazing. His his facial structure, his he was really long with the yeah. beard and the goatee, and <laughs> he just he looked menacing as he hell. Did. But it was brilliant, and it was it, it was great. I mean, you've got some great characters in the TV show which weren't in the main film, which is great because the film is set just around Abydos. It's set around, yeah. you know, fighting Ra to stop him from coming back because obviously he didn't realise that Earth had progressed as far yeah. as it had got. It caught him out. Yeah. It really did. Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah. And it was great because then they just kind of, you know... Blew him up, and and that was because he was he was kind of like the king of the gods as such, wasn't he? he was kind yeah. of like the big daddy of them all. Yeah, I think if you if you go into the SG one uh, universe, if you will, you you find that it's like you said, it's not just one one god. Uh, the Gaul will consider themselves gods, and and Ra, I think you were saying, is the pinnacle. But he was starting to lose uh, power and favor. And if you if you follow the politics of the series, you see that the Gaulder are all infighters as well. They just crave dominion. Yeah. So they fight with each other. They dominate each other. It, it's it's spectacular. I just love the depth of it, the yeah. lore. 
you know and, and we've got stuff to relate to we've got pyramids we've got ruins here and it just seems so much more real than a, a completely from scratch universe it seems more plausible that yeah. the pyramids were a landing pad than most of the other stuff thrown out there yeah. by, by, by <laughs> scientists and theologists you yeah. kind of think well actually that's quite plausible yeah because you can imagine because there's with pyramids there's such a mystique about pyramids that yeah. you can't we can't see what's in them. I mean, no. you know, you've got um, th- the Sphinx. I mean, you know, someone theorised about a week ago that actually it was the face of a, a, like a, a helmet mm. over the the original carving of like a dog. Which I'm not being funny. That's what they do in Stargate. Yeah, they have their helmets on <laughs> to detract them. And I was like, hang on a minute, you're literally kind of saying that they built this Sphinx. They carved it all out, and then they stuck another carving on top of it, yeah. and made it out, made it like a dog or something. Well, I'm not being funny, but that, that's literally like one of the gods. I can't mm. remember which one it is. That's Anubis with the dog head. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's literally Anubis then. Yeah. So what you're saying is is that the, the, the Sphinx and the adjoining pyramids were basically part of Anubis's thing. So, ergo, you're giving credence to, to mm-hmm. the Stargate universe. But yeah, so um, <laughs> but we'll we'll delve more into that in a minute. We'll play a quick song and then we'll be and then we'll be back. This is Michael Winslow, and you're listening to the Film and TV Show with Richard S. Please press the hash key for more now. Hmm, that was not the hash key.
many a road, you know, I've been walking on all of my days, and I've been trying to find what's been in my mind as the days keep turning into night. Quietly standing in the shade all of my days. Watch the sky breaking on the promise that we made all of this rain. And I've been trying to find what's been in my mind. As the days keep turning into night, well, many a night I found myself with no friends standing near. All of my days, I cried aloud, I shook my hands, what I'm doing here. Keep turning in tonight. So there you go. Um, yeah, we were just talking actually in the in the break about um, about the actual TV show and just the, the differences with it. I mean, my favourite character is Teal'c. Oh, Teal'c! I love Teal'c. He is amazing, and I just think that it's it's a character that really it's pivotal to the entire yeah, show. It is, you know, because he is the old guy or uh, old uh, Jafar, I think. Yeah, he yep. is a Jafar, but he's mm-hmm. the what is it they call the the head. Uh, he was the, the, the prime, or yeah, uh, yeah prime of uh, I can't remember which one it was. Now he was a prime of one of them, mm. and he just basically defects yeah. and joins. Literally in the like the first, the first two episodes of SG One is is a two parter where yeah, they basically is. they go to a planet that they they find from the sarcophagus on Adab- uh, Abydos, yeah. and they then 
go to this planet and they get captured because they always get captured, which is the one the one systematic flaw with SG one <laughs> is that they always go to a planet and they always get captured. They they can never not get captured. I don't think there's an episode where they haven't <laughs> been captured before. Yeah. And uh, and so they get captured, they get put in this cell and they try to reason with uh, with Teal'c. Yeah. And and he says, you know, I never trusted anyone, but now I trust you. And he turns his uh, he turns his scepter on the on the actual other guards, shoots them, yeah. shoots the wall, and they all bugger off and and jump out and yeah. kind of it goes from there. But as a Jafar, um, for those not aware, Jafar is what they, they're basically babysitters for the symbiote yeah. of the, the gold, uh, yeah. of the gold. They're sort of a slave warrior race. Yes, that are that are, that are kind of in tribes and clans, and they they. Uh, they get recruited, if you will, uh, from from certain worlds that they live on, and the the gods or the Gaul take them on as their foot soldiers. So they're they're bred to be loyal to the ultimate warrior race. Uh, Teal'c is is an exception. He's had his eyes opened. He's seen injustices, and he's uh, been in positions of power, and he's done things that he's not happy with. And then he sees these free humans, the Tauri, as they call us, and. Uh, he sees that we're fighting, that we're resisting against what he thought was impossible odds. We have primitive technology, but we've got a will and a drive to explore and succeed. And he sees that, and he identifies with uh, the Tauri, us humans, us uh, puny humans. And he, as you said, he turns his staff weapon and he just lets rip. And these staff weapons, I, I remember from the film when I first saw them as a kid, were terrifying. They're sort of this mechanical, long, like you said, accepted staff device. And they, they press a button or respond to a micro-touch or something, and, and the whole end of it just slots open and charges with electricity, and it's just the most gut-wrenching sound ever. Yeah, it's, it's kind it's of... psychological. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's a mental sound. Yeah, and, it is. And it's quite... Especially when you're looking at it from the perspective of the yeah. the recipient of one of those, is when mm-hmm. you see it just pop open, you kind of think... Oh. Something bad's going to happen. Yeah, that's not good. Someone day, someone's day is going to get ruined here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, um, Teal was played by Christopher Judge, uh, and he was first prime of Apophis. Mm-hmm. Um, I just had to do a quick Google for that because <laughs> I didn't, I, I wasn't one hundred percent sure. But he was first prime of uh, System Lord Apophis, um, and he's from the planet Chulak. And he has a wife, and he has a son, Ryad. Yeah. Um, Ry- yeah, and uh, who hates him basically yeah. because he left to go and fight with the Tauri. Um, and I love the fact they call humans Tauri. Yeah. I think it's brilliant. Um, and you kind of, throughout the first, I don't know, three series, you kind of get the impression that the Gould are, are all encompassing. There is yeah. no one to stop them. Mm-hmm. You've got, you know, you've got the, the SG-1 team, which then, you know, you've got SG-2, 3, yeah. 4, 5, 6, all the way up to like SG-30, I yeah. think they've got. They've got so many different five-man teams. Um, there's always... There's always the the army guy. There's always <laughs> yeah. a scientist. Yep. There's always um, a linguist. A linguist as well. And then you've always got the um, kind of I don't know the anti sort of uh, a civilian. I would say yeah. really because sort of jack of all trades technician. Yeah, yeah, I mean you know for the SG one you've got Teal'c, you've got Doctor Daniel Jackson played by the amazing Michael Shanks, yeah. and he is brilliant. And towards the end, he actually becomes. Uh, executive producer as I think well, he does, yeah. which is really good. And he actually yeah. directs a couple of the episodes as well, which is really really good. Mm. Um, and he also does a couple of voices for a couple of yes, he does a couple of people, which we'll we'll talk about in a bit. We don't want to throw that in just yet. But um, you've got uh, Samantha Jackson. Uh, no, is it Samantha Jack? Uh, Samantha Carter. Samantha Carter um, played by I can't even remember what her name is, but she played Helen Magnus in. Um, I can't even remember what that was called now as well. <laughs> On but, a roll. but she is uh, she is amazing. She is amazing. She's um, she she's kind of like the brains of the operation because yeah. she, she was a, a U.S. Air Force yeah, the, fighter pilot, yeah. weren't she? Yeah. Um, and she just kind of just does. I know she's more the reasoning because Richard Dean Anderson is just completely like yeah. off his rocker. He's just literally like he takes charge, but he doesn't take orders very well even though he's yeah. a military man but because of everything that happened before he was just kind of oh do you know what I'm doing this as a favour to you not yeah. as a favour for me yeah. because obviously if you don't know his backstory I'm not going to ruin it for you but find, you'll find out his backstory in the film but also yeah. it's a kind of reoccurring theme in the TV show but, they did it so well yes they so, did so well. they were really really good with yeah. that really good with that um, Samantha Carter was played by Amanda Tapping. That's the one. Who yeah. is English-born yeah. but lives in the States, and mm. she um, 
she does uh, she does quite a few things, but she's more well known for for obviously being Samantha Carter. Yeah. Um, you've then got um, obviously you've got Teal'c mm-hmm. as well, and then you kind of have a reoccurring person that joins the team every now and then. At some point, you have Jonas, who's uh, an alien from another planet. Yeah. Um, sometimes you have um, I can't think of his name. He's in Atlantis though. Uh, He's, uh, I can't think of his name. He's a real geeky guy. He has a real hots for, for, um, for Samantha Carter. I think everybody does. <laughs> yeah, Amanda Tappan is actually quite hot in that. So. Yes. But, you know, the team works well because there's so many different aspects of it. And it's great that they have Daniel Jackson in there because he's obviously, he spent a lot of his time proving that they were landing pads, yeah. that the pyramids were landing pads for the aliens and all this, that, and the other. And they finally... Yeah. realize it and something goes wrong with uh, with the Stargate and they need his help yes so they take him into Cheyenne Mountain which is where they built this massive SG base and it's kind of right underneath and you don't really see you don't see much of it you just see the the stock filming of, <laughs> of the yeah. actual RA, the actual USAF yeah. base at yeah. Cheyenne Mountain um, and it's actually a hot spot for people people actually flock to there yeah because they genuinely believe that it's kind of a, a base for alien technology when yeah. we all know that's Area 51. We want to believe. We want to believe. <laughs> yes, the truth is out there. Yeah. But the, the the teams themselves, they are, they're so diverse. Yeah. And I think that that helps. And because the Gold were kind of all-encompassing, they're kind of, they're fighting the Gold. But sometimes it just doesn't seem plausible. Some of the stuff they do, I mean, you know, you've got the, the X-382, which is part glider, part... Yeah. US Air Force thing. You think, oh yeah, that's great. Then you've got then you've got the big massive ships that they yeah. build in the later series and you think, yeah, that's all well and good, but there's, <laughs> there's no way you would have got that that amount uh, built. I mean, come on, we know what it's like people building anything in this in this it's world. It's all money. <laughs> it's it's all money and you know, what they're effectively saying is that the United States have an unlimited amount of money to build these ships that can basically go faster than light. <laughs> they are they are humongous. And they've been building yeah. them in an underground hangar, something straight out of like at Star Wars, yeah. and you just think, no, that's not plausible. Although, being fair, there is, uh, I think, at least one episode, maybe a couple of episodes, where you do see uh, a sort of united uh, Earth. So several governments from different countries then throw their support in, and they actually form a project where it's uh, sort of like, uh, so I'd say sort of like a space version of NATO, where they're throwing in their support, which obviously um, it includes Russia in the series as well. There's a couple of decent episodes where you, you meet a couple of the Russian special forces as well, which is pretty good, and they've got their own program going on, and it's like a whole subplot, and it's espionage, and the sort of Cold War is threatening to resurface and things, and it's, I, I just, I love the, the varied scope that they have politically in, in the series as well. Uh, and, and going back to what you said earlier about how he uh, he was the only person uh, Daniel Jackson sorry was the only person that had the theory that that the pyramids were have had a certain function within the Stargate uh, universe in our world. Uh, there's a very very good part of the film uh, just after the start where it actually shows him trying to give a lecture to Egyptologists and academics and uh, physicists and things like that. That's right. And they all walk out to the last person they all walk out and they're just they're laughing at him they're scoffing and uh, that that's basically where the Stargate journey uh, begins for, for the modern incantations of our heroes I, I do like the, the, the Cold War-esque between yes. the Russians and the United States and that's only because the Russians have a Stargate as well yes they don't realise that they have a Stargate mm-hmm. but they have a Stargate deep, buried yeah. deep in um, in Siberia which we find when um Teal'c and um, I think it's uh, I think it's Richard Dean Anderson's mm. character. I think they get trapped. They get kind of something happens and they get blocked and they get sent to the other star. Yeah. And that's when they realise that there's a second Stargate on the planet. And I don't even think that the Gore would realise that there was no. a second, um, second, second Stargate. So where that come from? Yeah. It, it's never actually explored. It, it's it, it sort of is. I think it's. I think what it's like denotes is that the Tower of the Humans on planet Earth were a real big deal in that universe. We were, I think, we were kind of a hub world. And the thing about humanity in that universe is we're a slave race. They've got us on all these different planets all over the universe, not just in our galaxy. So we're like we're as common as muck, but we all have it's sort of isolated cultures. So we all speak different languages. I mean, much like we do on Earth right now. Not so much the isolated, but yeah. the languages. And so we're common as uh, muck. 
you know, we're, we're basically chattel slaves. Um, and, and then having obviously all these different gates, uh, like you say, on, on, on planet Earth, it makes you think that literally any avenue is open for exploration, especially, as you said, when they get sent to Siberia or the South Pole or something like that. I mean, what is going on there? You know what I mean? It's, it's fascinating. It is. And there is a lot of, um, and I was talking with my wife about, there is a lot of kind of spirituality. Yeah. Um, esque type uh, references to it and the guy that made it was obviously quite uh, that way inclined in terms of spiritual um, spiritual feelings because it's just it's just littered with it you know from the from the actual premise of you know when Daniel Jackson ascends Mm. to a higher being you know that in itself is kind of like hang on a minute and then you've got the the other races as well which um, I was talking, slight, talking slightly about before I kind of went on a little bit of a tangent. Yeah, the Asgard. Absolutely, yeah. the Asgard. And they are the only beings that scare the living daylights out of the gold. Yeah. The gold are petrified of the Asgards. But because there's like a treaty, like so like what well, we have here, we yeah. have treaties. There are treaties um, in that. And I like the fact that they kind of, they're trying to enforce what we do on alien races. Yeah. <laughs> kind of have treaties between <laughs> them. It's like, I suppose you can assume that. But it's it's kind of like we we know what treaties are like in this country in this world they they, they count for jack people will <laughs> people will find their ways around it which ultimately the Asgard do anyway which kind of reinforces yeah. that you're basically pushing our political views and everything yeah. onto it's on both sides and they they really kind of they they sort of bend yeah. the rules and grey areas and there's no there's no real good and evil that's one of the things that really appealed for me about that is you know that they have everyone has their flaws. And that's another thing I, I, I like to see what they did about that series is nobody's perfect. And a, and a real good part about the Asgard was they have a problem, an internal problem, which is destroying their civilization. And they have to come to us after lording it over us for about three or four series about being superior and technologically advanced. They have to come to us at, for a solution. I mean, we're still using uh, combustion kinetic weapons, you know, firing bullets at things. Yeah. They don't have those weapons. They have, like, energy and psionic energy, like, using their mind and things. They have to come to us for a solution to a problem that has been obliterating their super-advanced civilization. And we deal with it, no problem. We just deal with it. And they, and they, say to, they even say to us, we never would have thought about using an explosion to propel metal shrapnel at a target to destroy it. It doesn't even enter their minds because they're so past that well, it's technology. because it's so primitive. Yeah, exactly. They, they just assume that, yeah. the, that the primitiveness of it makes it invalid. Yes, exactly. And, it's, it, yeah. and you're right, because it is, it's, it's kind of satisfying to see them come yeah. cap in hand as such. And yeah. What I love about the Asgard is that they, they assume the, the roles of Norse gods. They do, yes. You yes. know, which is brilliant, because you've got Loki. Sure, yeah, Thor, Loki, yeah. Um, and it, it, you just think, oh, that's just that's yeah. just amazing. You've got the Egyptian gods, yeah. and you've got the Norse gods. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, uh, yeah. yeah. Right in your face with all the mythology. Absolutely. And, uh, and obviously there's certain planets which are devoted to certain gods or uh, Asgard or things like that, so you can even have like isolated entire Norse cultures on the whole planet. That all worship uh, Asgardians, thinking and, they're gods, and they all they all tend to be human, yeah, because they are people that have been taken from Earth yeah. in the past and kind of like you say shuttled out yeah. to different different gods, to uh, obviously gold gods anyway. But then the Asgard have come and, and saved them, and yeah, and, and they're everything. heroes, they're liberators, they're, they they're the gods that they worship. And obviously, because they're so primitive, they don't understand technology isn't magic and it's it's fascinating as you yeah, say yeah absolutely so we're going to play a quick song and uh, and then we'll be back Yesterday 
one thing I have said Is that the dreams I once had now lay in bed As the four winds blow my wits through the door It's been the worst day since yesterday Dempsey, you're listening to the film and TV show with Richard S.
Yes, um, it, it's kind of we, we want to keep talking, but we want to play the music as well. So we were just kind of talking about our favourite episodes, and I my favourite episode is is the one where um, you've got it's called Thor's Hammer, basically, and that's when they they've already kind of met the Asgard because Jack O'Neill was um, he's, he put his face into the the thingy and he's had the the Asgard knowledge downloaded into his head. Yeah. And then he's gone to the Asgard, and they're like, "You're not ready just yet. You're still babies." And it's like, "How condescending are you?" Yeah, yeah. And but this is where they go to a planet, and they accidentally kind of destroy Thor's hammer, basically. Yeah, it's a security system, isn't it? Yeah, to protect them yeah. from from the gold, and the gold start to come, and so they have to kind of find a way to to do it, and they eventually get hold of Thor, who comes back in his massive Asgardian ship, yeah. and just obliterates the the gold, and kind of yeah, and it kind of goes from there. And I love that because it's. It's kind of introducing Norse mythology at its peak. Yeah. You know, it's taking the ultimate Norse god, Thor. Mm-hmm. I mean, some would say Odin, but I don't think there is actually an Odin as guardian in the... I don't think he's ever... I don't think there is. Mm. Um, so kind of Thor is the, the one that's most uh, most known to, to those in the Stargate universe, who's also voiced by Michael Shanks. He is. Which is... And I didn't even realise that He does until, a good job hiding his voice in that. Uh, yeah, he yeah. does. It's yeah. amazing. But he also does Loki as well. Yeah. He voices like he voices all of the Asgards, basically. Yeah. And they just tweak it, which is, I think is brilliant. But I just love the fact that it links in the the whole Norse mythology and it kind of, it, it kind of vindicates those on that planet that actually Thor is their god. Yeah. Thor will protect them mm-hmm. and he comes through. All, and he does. That's all, the thing. He does, yeah. Albeit yeah. because... SG one have yeah. to literally go f- jump through hoops. They have to go through different trials to, yeah, to kind of get. And as they get to the end, it's Thor, mm-hmm. and they think it's just a hologram, but it's not actually a hologram. It's yeah. actually Thor. He's actually there, yeah. um, and, and and then kind of that's when the ship arrives and destroys the the gold and yeah. kind of zips them away and everything. And it's brilliant. There's also a really good one where you've got the the foe. Um, SG team that are nicking stuff from different people, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and Jack has to he yeah. has to get himself fired basically for Colonel Mayborn, who's an absolute douchebag. You just love to hate him. He's oh. so well acted, though, isn't oh, he? Oh, isn't he just? Yeah. Uh, Mayborn is just amazing. If, uh, Colonel Mayborn is just he's basically someone who wants absolute power. Yeah. He's almost as bad as that vice president who wants to basically just rip everybody yeah. off. Um, and have it all for himself. Colonel Mayborn's a kind of by any means sort of guy, isn't he? he? He's really he's just in it for he's just in a way dangerously pure science. Yeah, it's it's quite alarming. He's got no moral compass at all. He will just any means to the end. Yeah, uh, and that's what makes him such a good character, in my opinion. I mean, he's, he's borderline psychopathic. He reminds easily. me. He reminds me of the um, of the. The guy, I can't think what film. I think it's Apocalypse Now, where he goes rogue, yeah, and he kind of takes over. He, he reminds me of, of him slightly because mm. he kind of has that air about him, and he always seems to sliver his way out of trouble. <laughs> yeah, he does. always seems to get his way out of trouble. Yeah, but he really is a viper. He is, but he, he's a brilliant character. But yeah, so it's his team that he's put together, and he's got a gold orb, and they've got a sarcophagus, yeah. and they're nicking stuff, and you know, Jack then finally 
gets the the Asgards yeah. to come and kind of get everything back and then you've got the replicators as well. Yeah, those those are my favourite. The replicators. Uh, yeah. I think my favourite villains are, are probably the the replicators because yeah. they're not your typical no, villain. Not. I mean, you've got the gold and that's great, you know, but they can be killed. Mm-hmm. You know, you've only got to literally stab them in the yeah. in, in the gut to kill the the symbiote, and then you're yeah. done. Yeah, yeah. You know, whereas the replicators are machines. They're yeah. artificial intelligence that. It's a rogue AI, isn't it? That, yeah. That's what's terrifying about it. And, and they use everything around them, break it down to its composite matter, and build it up from there. Uh, uh, that's what makes them so dangerous, is that they, they you lose a ship to them. They take your ship, break it down, and build more of themselves. Yeah. So it, it, they just continue. They're like a, like a bacteria, if you will, but a microscopic version, and they are so terrifying. And the Asgardians, the super hyper advanced, uh, the super hyper advanced race that's got you know telekinesis and all this lot, are terrified of them. They can't stop them, and they have to rely on us to beat them because <laughs> we're the only ones that can. You know? Yeah. I mean, you know, and then you and then you get to the Ori, which mm. at the end of season eight, I thought that was a great way to end it. You know, the gold, they've been defeated. Yeah. You know, the peace reigns across the the universe. Um, you've got a couple of rogue ones, you know. Yeah, they're still clinging up. on. Yeah, it's, but then, but then they're, they're no threat, and they know not to mess with with yeah. Earth. And then, inexplicably, they just chuck in this new religious, yeah, sort of alien it's like power being. vacuum. Yeah, and it's kind of yeah. like, but they're from a different. They're in a different yeah. like area of the universe, and they want to basically. They want people to to read their to read their book and and live live and breathe. Or the the book of origin, yeah, and I can't help but 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 think that you know someone's got a real gripe against Christianity, yeah, or any any or religion, any religion for that matter, or yeah. Any religion yeah. For that matter. yeah because yeah. what what these people are actually what these are they're they're higher beings that they use the the belief and the faith and the prayer from all of their subjects to become higher beings and ultimately what they want to do is to become the higher beings that Daniel Jackson becomes yeah. and which Anubis becomes as well. Mm-hmm. Although half and half, because he which tries is terrifying, to, which is terrifying <laughs> in itself. Yeah, you know, he's he, a big bad guy. He is, and yeah. it takes a while for them for them to actually finally defeat him. But oh. he, I thought he was good because he was even from the first series, he was in the shadows, pulling the strings, yeah, he was. being he's the puppet, puppet master. master. Yeah. <laughs> and you can literally, if you look back from when Anubis is revealed, yeah, all the way back to the first, you can see where he's had his hand in it because he's yeah, he can. he's half he's he's half enlightened, mm. half kind of stuck in this world, and he's and yeah. he's kind of. It's mental, absolutely mental. It's only when Daniel Jackson ascends yeah. that he finally realizes that it's Anubis pulling the strings, and he then comes back and everything. But the Ori are literally—they they kind of—they want that ascension. Yeah, they do. And they use the belief, and it, it is kind of a, a slap in the face, all religion, and it, all religion. And it did get massively mm. slapped down as it well. Did, yeah. But they were like, "Listen, it's our TV show. This is what we're going to do. You don't yeah. like it? Don't watch it." Exactly. You know, this is what this is what we think. We, this is what we believe religion to be as a, like a cult, yeah. as such. You know, you don't do it. We are going to slap you down. I mean, it certainly wasn't that show, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, they, uh, they, yeah. Towards the end, they really did kind of, kind of drag it down, mm. um, and and kind of you know really chuck religion in there because you had, you didn't have so much religion as kind of mythology for the first yeah. eight seasons, and then the last two were all about religion. That kind of felt really forced. I don't think they really needed to do that, you mm. know, because. It's just kind of like, really, you know. Then you've got the Ark of Truth, which is a a shadow film, which basically null and voids all of the Ori anyway. It's a big Ark full of the truth or whatever, and proves that the Book of Origin is false Mm. and is twisted. And you know, if only we had something like that. I mean, silver linings to the clouds. There, it did open the doorway to a really, really good uh, spin-off series, if you will, Stargate Atlantis. Absolutely loved Atlantis, and that was. And that was brilliant. And I think that's one for another show. Absolutely, is talking about Atlantis because that takes the ultimate yeah, mythology from yeah. from our planet mm. and chucks it on the screen and says, right, well, this is it. We're going to tie it into the Stargate universe, which I think is very clever. Yeah, the way that they've done that and that is I really agree. good. But um, but that's definitely one for another show. I'll definitely uh, have to rewatch that series. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I yeah, it, watched it recently. I won't even bother watching Stargate Universe because I just I was. Uh, I, I actually never saw it, so I can't comment. Yeah, it, it was strange. Was it? Yeah, just based around a ship that just keeps jumping. Okay. So it's not a Stargate. No. There is a Stargate on the ship called Destiny. Yeah. It's a, it's a, an Alteran ship. 
that basically just and, and for those that aren't listening, uh, Alterans are the original gate builders. They oh, are right. they the Alterans are the original um, the original us from millennia ago. And obviously, we what it's basically saying is that there was humans who were super evolved. They then died out or ascended or whatever. But before they did that, they built Atlantis. They built the gate system. They built all of that. Then they died out, and then obviously the Gawal come and took over the primitive versions of, of humans yeah. and so on and so forth. And it was the ultimate insult from the Gawal to you know, yeah. the, the forerunners, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I've already said my favourite character being T. I'm going to have to be Colonel Jack O'Neill. He's See, a maverick. I, lo- I love him. He is. He yeah. is a maverick. He is. I, I just, I, I love the, I, I love his zero to hero. Uh, in the series, including the film, obviously played yeah. by two different actors, obviously, and they did make jokes about it, and I did enjoy that. But I, I just I like how, like I say, he's a maverick. He's on, he's on the first team. He was the first man through. You know, he le- he leads from the front. He's he's ingenious in his simplicity, if you will. But he he gives you the impression that he doesn't think, that he doesn't care, that he's got this blasé attitude, encompassing a maverick basically. But he does care. He is clever. And he does know what he's talking about. Uh, one of my favourite episodes with him in it, other than obviously anything to do with the replicators, because I love those episodes that you can just bite your nails at that tense. One of my favourite and most memorable episodes for him is where he uh, has his mind swapped with a, an, an average Joe that likes going bowling. And he actually has random flashbacks. You never actually see that he has random flashbacks to this guy going out bowling every Thursday night. But you see, from the guy who's going bowling, you see he gets all these amazing missions that he goes on. He thinks he's dreaming. He's writing books about it. He's got his, you know, he's he's writing lifelike story comparisons of actual missions that the colonel goes on with his team and others. And, he, and obviously, then the U.S. Uh, Air Force show up and start saying, "Look, you're leaking classified information. How can you possibly know about this?" And yada yada yada. And at the end of that episode, I won't ruin it for you, but at the end of that episode. Uh, uh, Colonel Jack O'Neill has asked, look, if, if he's seeing all of your memories, then are you seeing his? I mean, this is like a severe compromise, you know. This, what, what happened? He says, oh, well, he just goes bowling every Thursday night. I says, well, is, hasn't that been a problem? Didn't you find it strange? And he just says, no, I kind of liked it. And that was just the, the attitude that he had. He never told anybody about it. It's just a little escape for him. But it was going on yeah. for years, though, yeah, it wasn't was, it? Yeah, it was, yeah. Five or six years, yeah. He was having we- these flashbacks. It was. It, it was great. I mean, the whole the whole Stargate universe itself, the you know the the SG one universe, is phenomenal. And for anybody that hasn't seen, it, I highly highly yeah. recommend that you you watch the film, then watch SG one. Yeah, it's a little yeah. slow to start. Yeah, well, obviously most series are, but by the end of the first series, and then they first get out you know, properly properly sabotaging gold stuff, it gets completely compelling. You've just got to watch it, and it, it is actually quite quite clever because you can see some of the, the technological stuff that they're using you can actually see the application being used in real world yeah which i think is very clever and you know it, it kind of adds to their well actually because they use area 51 quite a lot yeah in the later series and you kind of think well actually that's just kind of saying well yeah we're actually doing mm. it but yeah obviously with area 51 no one really ever knows but i would absolutely recommend you watch uh, stargate sg1 it is a phenomenal tv show it was an absolute freight train. It was kind of like the Game of Thrones or Walking Dead of its time. Yeah. Until yeah. they stopped it after season ten. Um, they are remaking the new movie. Oh, which, brilliant! Uh, you know, but they're—I don't know whether they're remaking it from the original or they're doing it afterwards. There's not much been leaked about that, but they are—they are redoing Stargate to make it more up to date, which will be interesting. I know Richard Dean Anderson won't be doing it because That's uh, a shame. because unfortunately, unfortunately, it looks like he's eaten himself. Um, so I don't think he'll be. Do- I, I think Michael Shanks is actually going to to direct or produce. Oh really? Uh, some of it, yeah. So I think that'll be really good because obviously he's had his fair share. You know, he's had mm. like twelve years of of SG One. So yeah, he's um, the man. He should absolutely do it. But it is it is a great scene. There are flaws in it. It's not a perfect. It's not a perfect TV show by any stretch of the imagination. But it's definitely one that you can watch. And it's just that, just the you know. All of it just kind of drags you in, and yeah. you can just believe just for a second that yeah. there is something like that out there. You know that there are people doing that, and we don't know about it. It's yeah. completely plausible because yeah. you know people hide stuff from everybody else yeah. all the time, so it's completely plausible. But I would highly recommend that you that you watch it. It is um, it is a fantastic show. 
fantastic film as well. Um, and that brings us to the end of the show. That brings us to the end. I had a lot of fun. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> um, that's it. Um, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you aren't following us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, please do. Please also leave a review on iTunes if you can. It means an absolute massive amount to us because what it does is it allows us to kind of rise higher in iTunes rankings so more people can see us who won't find us organically. So it would be nice, you know, just a single review helps to bump us up so that people can actually see us and we want to spread the word. We want people to get out there because... You know, we do something a little bit different. We don't just kind of review stuff and just slate everything all the time. It's it's a little bit different, so it does mean a massive uh, amount to me. If you could leave a, a review at the end, that would be brilliant. Um, and obviously, you know, find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, have a read of the the um, the reviews on WordPress. That'd be great. Yeah, and thank you very much. Oh, thanks very much. There is one more thing. It's been emotional. After the storm I run and run as the rains come And I look up I look up On my knees and out of luck I look up Night has always pushed up day Must know life to see decay, but I won't rot. I won't rot. Not in this mind and not in this heart. I won't rot. And I took you by the hand, and we stood tall, and remembered our own life. Tears and love will not break your heart But dismiss your fears Get over your hill and see What you find there with grace in your heart And flowers in your hair Love